When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Theodora Speaks, a podcast series celebrating risk-taking women who have successfully failed forward on their journey to reinvent their professional lives and follow their dreams. Thank you for listening to my podcast. You have a lot of podcasts to choose from, and I am elated you're listening. The theme of this conversation is ambition. We are all driven towards a goal or two or three. The global pandemic crisis brought a lot of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt unwanted additional stress and anxiety into our lives, especially as working mothers. So how are you coping with the last year plus? How have you changed your dynamic and reshaped your career, dreams, goals, and hopes? Are you feeling accomplished or still frazzled, looking for ways to smooth out the friction and fizz in search of more balance and fulfillment? Visit gailkeller.org for more information on how I can empower corporations and universities with respect to gender inclusion and women in tech with respect to taking risks in their professional lives to reinvent themselves via personal transformations to live more fulfilled and balanced lives. Just because the world shut down and we had to shelter in place for too long doesn't mean we should give up on our goals. That drives, that drive is still in us. Our ambition just needs to be dusted off so we can reshape our careers, goals, and hopes. We may need an extra push in the right direction or find a way to reignite the fire in our bellies. In this episode, we converse with Jesse Pierce, digital storyteller, content creator, brand marketing and communications. Notably, Jesse is a writer for the NHL.com, covering the Minnesota Wild hockey team, COO of New Voice Studios, co-host of Bar Down Beauties, and a contract writer and manager for Touchpoint Media. I asked Jessie to be a guest because she is a working mom in a male-dominated industry in search of more balance and fulfillment while staying ambitious. Like Jessie, I too am a working mom who struggles with the conflict of the passion and excitement of climbing a, a corporate ladder or being an entrepreneur while my heartstrings tugged and to be more present with my beloved husband and children. Jessie and I share in common our love for our children, our family, and career ambition. Jessie also helps edit and produce my podcast episodes. Editing is an art, and I appreciate her ability to truncate a story by plucking out the most important aspects of it. She is an excellent storyteller. Having recently launched my podcast series, I knew I wanted to partner with a company and people that specialize in podcast storytelling, because that is a skill I want to personally improve upon as I build my series to continue to tell the best Theodora stories to you, inspiring you our valued listeners. Listen for when Jessie emphasizes why she loves chirping. Jessie is the true definition of ambition. As Queen would describe Jessie, don't stop her now because she's having a good time. Today, we will cover topics from risk-taking in both your personal and professional life to how COVID-19 is helping you reimagine your life as a marketer 
to being a female who covers both the National Hockey League as a writer to hosting a podcast series called Bar Down Beauties, which covers the NHL, in particular, the Minnesota Wild. Jesse, welcome, and thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to hop on and join you on this wonderful podcast that you've started here. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, Elena, yeah. you're here, excited to have this conversation with you. Let's share a few laughs along the way if we can squeeze them in. Heck yeah, I mean, that's all we do, right? We've, we've talked before. It's usually filled with laughs and a little bit of business. <laughs> More laughter than business, in my opinion. Yes. So we're going to dive into reshaping your career in the creative industry post-COVID pandemic crisis. But first, why don't you take us back and share with the listeners your personal background from marketing to writing to podcasting? Oh boy. I mean, do we have enough time? That's the, that's the question, right? No, I mean, I didn't actually really decide that I wanted to be a writer until maybe freshman year of college. Like I always loved writing. It was always kind of a part of things I did. You know, I journal on the side or I'd write poems, but I had always wanted to be a teacher. That was kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach elementary school. And then I found out elementary school teaching is very hard and I didn't quite have the patience for it as much as I love kids and as much as I loved all of that. So I quickly shifted gears into writing because I had had, like I said, a knack for it. Um, and more specifically sports writing because I loved sports and I watched sports. I was ingrained in sports and sports were always a major part of my life. And I think that's where I got so much of my confidence from. And so I wanted to utilize that in writing. And uh, freshman year, I started out on that journey, dove into every possible aspect of sports media that I could, whether it was PR, whether it was marketing, whether it was um, writing for our college university newspaper, Iowa State, go Cyclones, um, or doing play-by-play -play for the hockey team too. Really, it kind of started there and I just continued to knock on doors and find out what other opportunities. I'm not a very shy person. So I was very eager to network and introduce myself to anyone and everyone. I knew hockey was a sport that I really wanted to particularly pursue, but I have covered ostrich races, horse races, track and field swim. I mean, pretty much every sport that you could imagine, uh, which I think is kind of the way of sports writing and marketing. Um, but as I, you know, continued on that journey, I definitely found that there was more to the sports stories that I really liked writing. It wasn't necessarily that I loved covering the actual game. I loved covering the people in the game and the features and the stories that they have and kind of the inspirational aspects of it. Um, and then I found even more so I liked talking, you know, doing the marketing side of things. I mean, I think writing obviously lends itself to marketing. You have good content, you've got all of that going. I mean, that's a big piece of a marketing scheme. So I combined all of it. I still do all of it. I don't have a favorite. I think mm -hmm. I love that I can put all of it together. And then the podcast came along within the past two years here. And it's been so much fun, again, just to add to that resume, add to the whole media lifestyle. And uh, again, it's another great piece of marketing for my own personal writing, but then for, for business in our company as well. It's all jumbled, but that's kind of my life as well. Very jumbled all over the place most days. It's an exciting journey. And you said you covered ostrich races? Ostrich races. So yes. It's actually hilarious to watch. I was actually covering it out in New York when I was living in central New York. And it is the funniest thing. And I don't know why it must have been a slow news day I think it was like the middle of August and they're like yeah go cover the horses and the ostriches and there were even camels I believe as well so wow quite the exciting quite the exciting article <laughs> I love it 
Yes. So Jesse, before we dive in further with your amazing background and personality, picture yourself driving down I-94 to a dinner party with your husband. You look up and see the following billboard about yourself. Jesse, she's for real. Creative, authentic, hardworking, stylish, gourmet, involved mom, friendly, elite hockey TikToker, hockey writer, podcaster, and role model. And this billboard was created by your friend, Heather Rule, who is the in-game social media coordinator at Minnesota Twins, a freelance sports journalist and author. When I asked Heather why those words describe the very essence of you, Jesse, she said in her own words, Jesse is a fantastic hockey writer reporter. Over the past year, it's been so much fun to watch her develop a hockey podcast and the brand to go with it. Navigating it all through a pandemic, it's a privilege to know Jesse in real life, but she also shares so much of her life with her friends, colleagues, and followers on social media, from family to work to all the hockey games. One of the things that stands out to me is how she keeps it real on places like Instagram. Life can be difficult and messy, along with being fun and amazing, and she makes sure to share all sides of it. Working in the sports business isn't a nine-to-five job, but what I see from her is still the complete dedication to her family. Whether it's relaxing at home with her children on the couch, doing art projects with them, or taking a day for a family outing. In a world where women in sports media is still a very important topic of discussion, Jessie is always an ally for other women in the business. She helped me so much as I ventured into a semi-regular presence on an NHL beat. Sometimes it really helps to have someone to chat with who understands some of the struggles as a woman working in sports media. Jessie is one of those people that understands and offers a listening ear or is always there with a text message response too. She's always willing to help and connect with me, and that means a lot. You can tell she's a writer, right? Yes. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Heather is absolutely fantastic. I mean, seeing her more and more in the press box up for the Minnesota Wild is wonderful. And she and I really engaged. She's my fellow TikToker. Nobody mm-hmm. else in the press box does TikTok. So we really bond over that. <laughs> um, but no, that's so sweet because I do, I think, especially within the past year in the pandemic, I think it's been really important for me to find my authentic self as well. You know, I think so many times I put on this persona once in a while because, you know, we're out in the public and we're up in the, in the press box and I'm very happy go lucky 99% of the time. But the reality is I don't have it easier than anyone else either, you know, and I have my Mm -hmm. bad days. So I want to make sure that folks recognize that, especially when I do, you know, from the outside seem like I have so much going on. And, you know, I've had people say, how do you do all this? I'm like, I don't, I have breakdowns just like you do. And I have, you know, hard days and it's not all super easy. And, you know, I, I, again, when I've spoken openly about any struggles I have, whether, whether it was mental health or anxiety or depression, it's always taken people by surprise because I don't, you know, lead with that foot necessarily as most of us don't, but I'm never afraid to share that. You know, it's, it's a part of my story. It's a part of who I am as well. Um, so I love that that does shine through. And that's been something I've really tried to be very conscious of, especially in the social media world where there's filters and everything is so doctored to how you want it. Right. You can Mm -hmm. certainly tailor that. And as a marketer and as a writer, I could tailor my story however I want to, but I want to make sure that people realize, I mean, it is, it's, it's hard as Heather had listed, I got a lot going on and uh, I love every single bit of it. And I'm a person that prefers to be busy over 
not, but mm-hmm. it certainly has plenty of challenges as well. Like Heather said, having a hockey job where games are at night and they're on weekends and you're kind of on call a little bit, um, whether news breaks and then having kids at home at the same time and navigating that whole life mm-hmm. as any woman with a career knows. I mean, it's certainly not just limited to sports media. Um, it's, it's hard. And there are days when I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what would I prefer to be doing? Um, but it's also very rewarding too. So, I mean, again, that's where I want to just try to keep it real as much as I can and find that good balance and share enough, but obviously still keep a little bit to myself when I can too. Yeah. Well, Heather described you so well with elegance and grace. It seems like you can juggle many, many tasks and and do them all so, so well. I would love to see you and Heather do a TikTok uh, storytelling about ostrich races. I mean, I think we have to. So Jesse, you mentioned how it can be a challenge being a woman working in sports media. What are the obstacles and how do you overcome them? Um, I mean, I have to, you know, first say I'm very fortunate as far as the males that I've surrounded myself with in sports media. I really haven't run into too many guys that have been opposing to a female being around, right? Or haven't seen. And I think in Minnesota specifically, as we mentioned, Heather, there are a couple other girls too that are on the hockey beat or in different sports beats. So I, I think our state has done a really nice job of making it more acceptable. But at the end of the day, there's still very few women in sports and they're, you know, the jokes can be a little crass and a little Mm -hmm. crude. And, um, it's, it's just a different vibe sometimes, you know, guys might want, I've had numerous male colleagues, you know, maybe curse and then they quickly apologize. Right. Which isn't bad. They're meaning it very respectfully, but I'm like, it's okay. Like it's, it's not going to bother me anymore than it bothers Steve next to me. You know, Mm -hmm. It's, it's completely fine. Or I've had, um, you know, athletes, tend to be coming in and out of the shower while we're waiting. And, you know, it's, it's a part of the, the job, but I've had colleague, male colleagues say, Oh, that's gotta be uncomfortable. And I'm like, it's no, like, I'm not looking any more than you would look like, I'm just, it's fine. We're just waiting here. So, I mean, there are those little things. And, um, you know, I think the hardest thing has been being a mom, you know, I have pumped breast milk in the bathroom during intermissions because I'm still trying to be all about the job sometimes while still realizing I am mom. And while dads, you know, there are certainly plenty of men that have kids at home. Everybody knows it's different for a dad, right? When it comes to parenting a little Mm -hmm. bit and it comes to having a career. Um, They don't, you know, not only physically, like I said, you're not seeing a guy go in the bathroom worried about taking care of the kid, but it's just, it's a different vibe. You know, the, the, the boys certainly see mommy going to work at night for hockey and they still get excited, but you can tell it's like, oh, okay. Like dad going for work is different than mom going for work. Um, so just some of that really, or the, the little kind of snide comments or jokes you might get from fans that listen saying, oh, well, you think you just like it because so-and-so is cute or having somebody mm. assume you don't know anything about the sport or, you know, talk over you. But again, all in all, I mean, I have to say I have been so fortunate. Like we really, I don't get hit with too much criticism for being a girl. I don't get hit with too much, but again, it's, it's hard. It's a space that women are still trying to find their footing in, especially on the male sports. You know, I think a lot of times I get, I get pigeonholed and women in general get pigeonholed into, Oh, well you must cover women's hockey then. Nope. I cover the boys just like boys could cover girls. You know, it can work both ways. So I think sometimes some of that too, I'd love to look forward to shifting and changing a little bit harder, but, uh, mm-hmm. all of that long windedness, there's, there's always hurdles. Like again, any career with women where male have dominated the space for so long. 
Sure. And it sounds like you have a great support system at home with the relationship with your husband. And that's a wonderful because our generation is, is different than our parents and our grandparents where traditionally our, the moms stayed home, right? We're work, a lot of us are working moms. There are still our moms that stay at home. And don't get me wrong, that's a very hard job to stay home. <laughs> it's right? a job that I never wanted. I would, uh, God bless those women. That's, yeah. uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> but you said your kids notice when you go to work and your, your husband goes to work. You're the only one coming back with milk, huh? From pumping? Yes, yeah. exactly. So come exactly. Back I mean, I've pumped on planes because I've had to like go cover something somewhere else. And it's, I, I love that breast pumps have gotten so much more convenient nowadays and they're kind of cute. So that makes it a little bit easier, but it is, I just laugh at myself. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Like right. Right. this is the life I've chosen for myself, but it's, it's fun. But you're making it work. Yes. So Jesse, in your opinion, how will women reshape the future of the NHL from being athletic players to covering sports media? Um, I think there's so many ways. I absolutely love this question too, because I think the NHL as a whole kind of lags behind some of the other main sports, just as far as change goes, the NHL is very stuck in its ways. It's very old school. It's very traditional and they Mm -hmm. like to have things the way that they like them. And that extends beyond just men and women, but white players and, and diversity and diversifying the game and just even giving players a personality that's it's legs very much behind the NBA and the NFL, which is kind of embrace some of those more exuberant players. The NHL hasn't done that yet. They get a little nervous and they get a little, well, this is hockey and this is how we've done it. So, I mean, I think women are a great step in that direction. I think more women are getting involved in social media for teams, which is awesome because you're seeing teams now have personality and they can poke fun because at the end of the day, I love to remind people, I'm like, it's sports. We're covering a game. We're watching a game, like have a little fun with it. You know, fans are always having fun. Like why not make it more fun? So, I mean, I think women in general just bring some creative ideas and an outside perspective. Again, I'm, I'm a prime example of somebody that loved hockey. I never played hockey, but I absolutely love the sport diehard fan since being a little girl, which again comes with the state of hockey territory. The Seattle expansion team has done a really good job getting new women scouts in there and getting more predominant roles is a really tremendous thing. And again, I hope that just trickles down to changing in other areas, again, diversifying the game and just opening it up and making it really more welcoming to, to others. You know, I think, I think every sport could do that. I think every job could do that, but hockey in particular, I see those as some big drawbacks. And naturally as, as players, you want to see women get more opportunities to play sports like the guys do. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, that's not just an NHL thing. It's certainly across the board, but um, you know, they're taking little steps here and there, but I'd love to see the NHL start to back that a little bit more and say, Hey, Let's get these women a part of part of our league and, and partner with them. So all of that, I know, again, it's taken little baby steps. I want to see some bigger leaps within the next couple of years, hopefully. I'm with you. I have two cousins, female cousins that are sisters and they play hockey and they're really yeah. good. I think one, if not both of them got scholarships nice. for their sports. I mean, they're, they're impressive. I mean, there are times when you could watch a women's game and you really can't tell the difference. The speed is there. I mean, the biggest difference is that naturally you can't hit, but when people hear that, they assume that it's a very, oh no, we don't like those women are physical and tough and you're still going up against the boards. I would argue almost it takes more skill to be a female hockey player than a male because you have to know how to stick handle better and you have to really know how to utilize your body without just do it being, you know, brooding and, and 
uh, physical down in the corners. So, um, it is, it's, it's fun to watch. It's something that I'm still getting myself into in fact as well, just because I grew up watching the men more than the women. And it's been fun to see how much that game's evolved and really gotten a, a spotlight on some big stages. So going back to humor, right? Humor is kind of that secret sauce to storytelling. <laughs> it's hidden, but a needed attribute when storytelling. So Jesse, how do you incorporate humor into your articles and or podcast interviews? Um, I have found that people really like what I have dubbed snarky Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, that's always just been a part of who I am too, right? I'm very sarcastic and very fluent in sarcasm, as I, I believe it. I've said, I love it. just because it kind of lightens the mood. Like you, like you had mentioned, Gail, it's humor really helps with a connection, I think too, right? It helps ease any tension or any uncomfortableness, which is especially important in interviews, I think, just to kind of get that wall down. Um, You know, we've had some really phenomenal, phenomenal guests, but to differ ourselves, I want those guys to be themselves. You know, I want to remove that wall, have a little fun, let's do something different. Um, And that's the same that goes for getting any interview for a story, you know, just if it might not make the story in the end, but just being able to have that rapport and that relationship with a player or a coach and just kind of joke around and make them comfortable with me, I think is just so, so crucial. And it's fun. And that's who I, that's who I am. You know, I'm, I've been told, I don't know if it's true, but I've been told I'm very funny or I have a great sense of humor. Um, And again, I think that's just part of my personality and my friendliness and kind of my outgoingness in general. So I love it. I incorporate it. It's funny because it's actually something I think I kept hidden a little bit and kept reserved for a while because you always had this idea and you had mentioned of we grow up in different times, right? Like when we grew up, I feel like professionalism was always number, number one, and you have to act absolutely professional, you know, remove every picture of you with a red solo cup and don't dare say anything out of line on, on social media, which is true to a a big point. But again, you can balance that. There is a balance of fun and real and personality with work. And especially in, in this line of work, whether it's podcasting or media, you can have that, you know, have that personality and have a little fun. People are actually very receptive to it when you can joke around and, Mm -hmm. and be real rather than just spitting facts and be kind of boring, which I think is what journalists used to be. And I think you're seeing more and more start to branch out like that. So it's something that I've definitely harbored and and honed better as my brand, if you will, um, within the past year, because I'm seeing more and more acceptance of it across the board, which is nice. It's wonderful. And I'd also add that humor also includes poking fun at yourself. You have to make fun at yourself if you're going to be making fun of others or other situations, right? Heck yeah. I mean, you can't, I mean, again, that goes to the authenticity, right? And Mm -hmm. being genuine, like nobody has it all together. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is immune to anything. Like it's easier to poke fun at yourself too, than it is to poke fun at others. I love when somebody as in hockey, we call it chirping. So I love when somebody comes in and chirps me and I can chirp them back and it's just, it's all playful and fun. And it's a, it's a good time. It's part of, again, part of sports, part of the game, part of the, uh, the fun of that environment too. Chirping. I'm going to remember that. Chirping. Yes. I know. It's kind of interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a good one. Yes. Yes. So switching gears from chirping and talking about (laughs) bar down beauties, your podcasts, what's the easiest thing about podcasting for you? And maybe what's the most challenging? I mean, the easiest is just talking, right? Again, as, as I could attest, I could talk all day, especially about hockey. You know, it's something that I just, I love. I, I live it. I breathe it. Um, it's very easy for me to talk. And I love 
talking to our guests and getting to know them and finding a connection with them. Um, that's by far been the easiest thing. The hardest thing I think at first was just kind of figuring out what we wanted to do to separate ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. everybody wants to be a podcaster all of a sudden, right? Because it is, it's an easy thing to do. And it's so great that it is a medium that everybody can afford to be on because I think everybody has the unique perspective and a unique story to share or a unique idea. And I, I love that people have been able to challenge themselves creatively and get in that space. Um, but with that being said, because it could be so saturated, how do you stand out? And especially as a hockey podcast in Minnesota, how do you stand out when there's so many of us that we just all think we know what's going on? We all think that we, ours is the best. Um, so I think that was, that was the challenge and continues to be, I think we have found a really good niche, um, not just being female voices in, in a hockey world, but also kind of, again, balancing that fun and that professionalism, you know, mm -hmm. we have access to some really phenomenal NHL players and NHL connections through my past work. And then we also know how to have fun with them and with our fans and our audiences. I think that's really made a difference. And that's some of the feedback that we've gotten from people that I've admired in this profession who have said, you made this really fun and thank you. And that's great. And I was like, oh, good. Okay. This is okay. You know, again, speaking to how you can balance professionalism and fun. I mean, it's nice to know that we have found that, but it definitely took a while to kind of get there because we had all these ideas and we wanted to do all of this and mm -hmm. honing in is, is the hardest thing, especially when you're so kind of all over the place and want to do it all. Yes. Yes. I'd agree to that, right? Having specific topics and sticking to them in a time frame. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know a little something about that, right? I do. That keeps the <laughs> listeners that we love near and dear captivated and wanting more. Exactly. So, Jesse, how do you psych yourself up before a podcast recording or an NHL interview? Um, I mean, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. I suppose I, it's something that started out as just literally a fun project and it continues to be. You know, again, when we went into it, naturally, you always have these grand ideas and goals like you want to see things take off and sure if it does but truly it was just a fun little thing to do on the side so I always kind of keep that in mind right and it's taken us into new areas and different heights that I never foresaw coming at all um, but that's what keeps it exciting too it's like it's this is cool like you get to talk to Mike Madonna a hall of famer or you get to talk to Linda Cohen who's you know, an ESPN sports anchor. I mean, some of the guests that we get and just working with my co-host Alexis Pearson and then our producer, Fred, it's, it's just, it is, it's fun. It's hard not to have fun. And, you know, you get to just hang out again. It's just hanging out, talking hockey. I always remind myself of that, that you'll be fine. It'll be good. It's uh, it's usually a good time. Mm -hmm. You got to put uh, the COO of fun in your title. Yes, I like that. I, I I have been told I am a party on the mic. I believe that was my introduction on one podcast one time, so I will take it. <laughs> so, so Jesse, switching gears and talking about, you know, self care and how you're you want to be a good employee that you are, a great wife, a great mother. Tell our listeners how COVID nineteen has reshaped your career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you had mentioned, I had been a marketer as well, which is something I still continue to do, but I had actually worked full-time for a marketing agency here in the Twin Cities for about the past seven years. Um, and then this past November, 
rather than being a full-time employee, they actually moved me into a contract position. So still working for the company, just not at the full-time capacity, which of course at first for a girl who's always held a nine to five job and who's always been told that's what we do, panic ensued, right? It was just an uh, over ending, oh my gosh, is it because I've done everything wrong? And you know, it makes you really figure out what's going on, right? So there was there was that shift. Um, but actually, you know, now that I have had time to reflect on it, it's been a blessing in disguise because prior to that, I'll take you back to March of what was that 2020 then when COVID hit, um, you know, I had the podcast, I had NHL writing, I was working full time at this marketing agency. I had my two kids and I was also probably freelancing and doing other things. So I had all of this going on and I finally had kind of just this mental breakdown. I could feel my, I could feel my anxiety building, building, building through like February and finally COVID hit and the world stopped and I felt like I could breathe for the first time. And it was amazing. And it was awful that it took something like a global pandemic for me to, to realize that. And I had kind of finally talked to my husband and I said, I think I need to start therapy or I think I need to do more for myself because I'm just not who I want to be. I'm not being the best mom. I, I didn't feel like I was being my best in any of the areas because I had spread myself so thin, you know, and I just kept going and I, I burnt out. I mean, it, it happens. And, and it was something, cause I'm so used to saying yes, yes, yes. And I finally was like, I need to learn how to say no. So I started therapy, um, during COVID Good and then it you. helped me get through this latest hump of not having a full-time job, but realizing that's actually better for me. That is something that I'm really starting to embrace. It's still very weird because, you know, people still tend to define themselves or define you by what you do, right? A lot of people meet you. Oh, so what do you do? Or what's your job? And so when I kind of say I'm self-employed, it's, it feels a little weird at first. Um, but looking at all of the different things I have my hands in, it's not that I'm not working, you know, I have to remind myself, like, I'm still working just as much, but it's just at my pace and it's at my discretion and it's at what I can handle. It doesn't now overwhelm me as much as it did. Like I said, I look back on a year ago and how I had done this for the past four years. I'm like, how on earth girl? Like I, of course you burnt out. Of course you hit this mental blockade and you fell down hard and it hurt, you know, it was, it was a lot. And, you know, you had mentioned, sounds like we have a great support system. I certainly do. Like Mike is tremendous. He certainly was all on board with therapy because he could see it too. You know, he could definitely see the changes and I just wasn't my perky, happy self. And not that, you know, I have to be like that 24 seven, but it was nothing could get me excited, not hockey, not the kit, like nothing at all. And it was hard for him to see. So he was like, we need to figure this out, do what we need to do. COVID, it was hard for everybody, but I truly have always looked at it as it helped me get to such a better place in my, in my life. You know, I just think it really, it wasn't without its challenges, certainly. And I'm still in therapy and and I've started medication for my mental health, but it, without COVID, I don't think I would have ever had the, I wouldn't have had the time, you know, I would have been kept pushing it off saying, no, I can't do this. I've got a hockey game or no, I can't do this. I have to wait until the summer, you know, what have you. And right. it, uh, it forced me into the corner and to, to take a look and say, Hey, let's, let's figure out a new way to live here, girly. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I commend you, Jesse, for doing that. You know, yeah. burnout is real. Like you mentioned, employee guilt, wife guilt, mom guilt. It's yes. a lot that we juggle. It's a, it's a heavy, heavy mental load. And mm-hmm. I, I was reading an article from value penguin 
and it was released back in February of this year, and it said nearly 30% of adults have seen a therapist during the pandemic. And I'm included in that percentage. I had no problem getting a business coach, right? I thought, well, you know, I, how am I going to balance all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And make sure that I'm doing the best I can do, leading my best foot forward in everything I touch, because I also have a hard time saying no. And that's something that I'm trying to instill in my values moving forward is to say no and be fine with that. Not say, oh yeah, I can do it. Sure, sure, sure. And (laughs) burn out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's sad to me that it took the pandemic to raise mental health and where, wellness, right? That's really sad to me that people felt that they couldn't talk about it, couldn't seek the help, that it was looked upon as, as bad, something, yeah. you know, very taboo. And so Forbes wrote an article back in 2014, so long before the pandemic, and it was like 11 reasons to give therapy a try. And the ones that stood out to me were repressed emotions will come back and haunt you. The second was give. It gives you a whole new perspective on other people, right? So how can we be relatable to other people and understand where other people are coming from, right? Mm -hmm. And keeping the best people in our lives that shine the brightest positive light, right? um, you know, and not the negative. And then third was it helps you deal with future curveballs that we don't even know are coming. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, it enables you to teach the next generation a better way. And that was probably my favorite one. Oh, me too. Because I do. I hope that, you know, like you had mentioned, it, it's still a little taboo. I think the conversations around it have been tremendous as of late. But I would love, you know, if I had figured this out when I was 25, gosh, that would be nice, right? Like it yeah. would have been great. I'm glad I figured it out now in my 30s as opposed to my 40s or 50s. But I mean, it does. It helps you just live a happier life. And I know that always sounds so cliche, but it, it's true. You know, when you can start saying no, and you can start figuring out what's important to you and what makes you happy. I mean, that's not selfish. That's, no. you got to fill your cup first before you fill everybody else's sometimes. And I was so, so bad at that because I'm such, just such a people pleaser. And that hasn't changed about me, but I'm also like, well, but I want to be happy too. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I don't need to just make everyone else happy while I'm sitting in the corner feeling low about myself. Like there's a, again, a balance and, and I just, it's, it's been tremendous. And I'm, I'm happy again to have found that now. And I can only hope that future generations continue to find that a little bit, you know, without completely throwing everything else to the waysides, you know, or, or taking advantage of what mental health really means, you know, because I think sometimes that can get mixed in there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that it means a brighter future for so many that maybe struggle with some of their anxieties or depressions or what have you that are that are holding them back from living a happy, happy life. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing all of that. So Jesse, maybe you could share a tip with the listeners on, you know, how did you change your dynamic to better focus on your energy on balancing work-life integration? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I have to credit so much of it to my therapist. You know, she really made me recognize some, some deep things about me, you know, again, like saying no and how I, I kind of always brought myself down. I had a very tough time. Like I could list all my accomplishments, but I never felt like they were that good. You know, I was never impressed with myself and I just never was very proud of myself and not that I was self-deprecating or, you know, I wasn't sitting beating myself up all the time. I just never felt like it was good enough. And I never felt like I was reaching this when in reality I'm kick-ass, right? Like there, you know, I have to just kind of give myself those, 
some of those pep talks sometimes. And when I'm not feeling good too, I've, I've been like, that's okay. Let's have a, let's have a bummer day. No big deal. Tomorrow we'll go out and do, do better. Um, you know, I think it's just important to just be, I've always been very in touch with my feelings. My family always kind of said that. And of course they don't mean it negatively, but it was always like, Oh, Jesse, the little emotional one. But mm-hmm. I, that's something I value. I recognize when I'm not quite right. And if I need to have a sad day, it's okay. Let's have a sad day, but let's move on and have a better day tomorrow. Or, you know, kind of constantly just building myself up. And, and again, having that therapy weekly was, was huge in that for me, because I think it challenged me to step outside of helping everyone and really helping and focusing on myself too. And that's something I hadn't done ever. I don't think, you know, I've never, you know, certainly you always probably do some things, but I, I felt like it was selfish, you know, especially when you've got kids and you've got editors relying on this or that. And it was just like, well, no, but who's ever asked Jesse, how are you? Or, you know, Jesse, can we help you? And I'm like, well, now I'm going to ask that, like, this is what we're going to do. So I think that's just kind of the biggest thing and find out what works for you. I mean, journaling is another really big component to get my feelings out and figure out why am I feeling this way? You know, usually there's some sort of trigger. Um, My anxiety was really, really bad for a while. And it was always kind of interesting for me to go back and figure out okay, what is it? It's usually something that I had never even pictured. Right. And, and again, it goes to that self-deprecating feeling I always had. Cause usually the anxious thoughts were so and my therapist hates when I say it, but they were so crazy. Like I knew there was no actual, you know, footing to them, but I convinced myself that there were. So a lot of it was just changing my inner monologue, um, to be more positive and nicer to myself because as my therapist pointed out, I can be, I guess, very mean and harsh on myself for no reason. So your worst that was critic. A, a big thing for me. Yeah. You can be your worst critic. That's one of my, yes, flaws. yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thank you for sharing that vulnerable story with us and any of the listeners listening today, right? It's always, if you're struggling, you know, yeah. talk to someone, even family and friends is the first step to, to getting therapy and it's okay. Absolutely. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think if I, I laugh. My doctor had even said this when we started some medication and she was like, you're going to wish that you had started this earlier. And I'm like, that's so true. I do. I just feel so much better now. <laughs> like it just yeah. different things help. And it took us a while to get to that point too. You know, again, I did therapy for a year and it worked out, but there was always like still little tweaks and that's just part of the brain. And I think it's a large part of being a mom too. I think more mm-hmm. and more moms experience this oh, very yes. much. So after having the kids and trying to find a new them, because we're not the same, you know, I'm s- still very important for me to keep Jesse just as much as it is to be mom, but just figuring out where Jesse and mom are together has been, has been interesting for sure. Very well said. And any of us moms out there can feel exactly what you just described. <laughs> exactly. So I got a little teary eyed there. What does taking a risk mean to you? I mean, I think it means not being afraid of the failures, even if it, even if the successes take a while. I mean, I certainly sports media, it has, has been a dream of mine then since college and I was going to chase that no matter what. So I had moved to Colorado where I didn't know anybody. I've moved to New York where I didn't know anybody. I moved up to Brainerd where I didn't know anybody chasing this dream. Um, you know, and we talked about what a great support Mike is that's because I believe on our first date, I told him, Hey, I'm going to be a sports writer. Just so you know, this is what I'm chasing and you can move with me or what, but if I have to leave, I have to leave. And 
he was on board with it. You know, it was something that he was never felt um, inferior to me in that way or, or any, or threatened by any means. Um, so I, I'm very appreciative of getting that out of the way, but yeah, I think, I mean, I've, again, I've failed in my career time again, I've not gotten jobs that I've wanted. Um, even as of late, having moved to contract and not having that full-time security, it's scary, right? It's not easy, but that's a part of the risk, right? You can't get a big reward without a big risk. Sometimes we say it all the time, but it's, it's so true. So I think not being afraid of failure and facing that failure and, and figuring out how to move past it when it, when it comes, because it will come. Everybody will experience the failure when you're taking a risk ultimately, Mm -hmm. but just knowing how to, to move on from that and and figure out your next steps is really important. Right. And the lessons learned on how to yeah. Be better the next go round, but not give exactly. up. Exactly. Right. Not give yeah. up. I love that. So as we wrap, Jesse, you shared with me, you're such a queen of quotes. And one of your mantras was failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Which you say so appropriately for the career driven Jesse that you are. So share with the listeners your latest shift to positivity and what it means for you. Yeah, I mean, that was something I'd heard as an intern with like Fox Sports North and I'm such like a little organizer, right? So I was always like, oh, that's so good. So I have to always be so prepared and like going into interviews and, you know, again, feeds into that anxiety, like, all right, we have everything prepped. And I feel like that's, it's still a great, great mantra. I think it's very important in media to be prepared all the time. And, you know, cause if you're not, you will fail and you're going to probably feel stupid when you're doing an interview, if you don't know what you're talking about. But um, I've definitely just shifted to more or less any positive, happy cliche, you know, what's going to make you happy in this moment? Is this making you happier? What's where, what bucket is this fulfilling for you right now? Again, I think my career still to me is a very happy, fulfilling bucket because I've worked so hard and because it's something that I wanted so darn bad. Um, But now I'm making sure to add other things into those buckets and make sure those are just as full because I think that's truly important. And I think the pandemic made so many of us in America realize that because I think that's been such a societal problem you know you, you go to Spain and they have siestas and we look at that as lazy but they're happier because they get to take a break it's not work 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 nine nine to nine even because nine to five is out the window right it's nine to nine and you gotta grind to get get up and get there and I've as much as I used to love those quotes and used to believe them and I still truly truly believe in hard work don't get me wrong I think there's just so much more to life than than that and I want to make sure that I embrace that. So I don't have a specific quote to put all of that into, but I mean, I do, I want to, I urge everybody to remember work's important, but so is everything else. You know, I go sit by a lake when I'm having an off day because just looking at the lake makes me so freaking happy or, you know, go take pictures with the kids or just go let, give yourself that break. Taking a break is important to recharge your batteries. So I hope the listeners here find their siestas and if not <laughs> schedule it on their calendar soon. So exactly. Jesse, with that, a sincere thank you. I want to send you a hug. And, Air hug. Uh, <laughs> best wishes to you always. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Gail. I really appreciate it. You're doing a great job. Thanks. A sincere thank you to Jesse Pierce for sharing her inspiring story with us. A special thank you to Heather Rule for helping celebrate Jesse. And a thank you to you, our valued listener. An additional thank you to New Voice Studios for producing our podcast series. The three key takeaways from today's conversation with Jesse are 1. 
Your personal brand is key. And I'd be remiss not to share with you that I offer personal branding portfolios. Visit me at gailkeller.org for more information. Two, humor. It's a secret weapon to ease tension, to break down the barriers, to be yourself. And also, the people around you will engage with you more if they see your authenticity. And lastly, balance both fun and professionalism. It's a beautiful recipe to becoming authentic. Sign up and stay in the know on my offerings at gailkeller.org. I can help you reboot your career by teaching you how to successfully fail forward without the crash and burn. Thank you and stay courageous. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.